Welcome to Digital Detectives, reports from the battlefront. We'll discuss computer forensics, electronic discovery, and information security issues and what's really happening in the trenches. Not theory, but practical information that you can use in your law practice, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the 42nd edition of Digital Detectives. We're glad to have you with us. I'm Sharon Nelson, president of Sensei Enterprises. We would like to take this time to thank our sponsor, Digital War Room, one of the leading platforms for e-discovery. And I'm John Simic, vice president of Sensei Enterprises. Today on Digital Detectives, our topic is perils of law firms possessing massive amounts of unreviewed client data. We are delighted to welcome our friend Ralph Losey. Ralph is a shareholder of Jackson Lewis PC, a law firm specializing in labor and employment law with over 52 offices nationwide and 800 attorneys. He serves as the firm's National E-Discovery Council in charge of electronic discovery issues. Ralph has limited his practice to e-discovery since 2006 and is the author of five books on e-discovery law and multiple law review articles. He is also co-founder of the IT Lex Foundation at it-lex.org and the Electronic Discovery Best Practices Group at edbp.com, and the developer of an online training course in eDiscovery, ediscoveryteamtraining.com. And Ralph is a frequent speaker at eDiscovery conferences worldwide and a leading contributor in the field of legal search. As usual, Ralph, we're glad to have you with us. Oh, thanks for having me. We are delighted to have you, Ralph. You published a really interesting, novel, and brilliant blog post recently that said in part, I have focused on development of best practices for law firms to handle large stores of client data and e-discovery. The best practice I have come up with is simple. Do not do it. Outsource. Tell us how you came to that conclusion. Well, I think all of us are having a growing awareness of the dangers of hackers and data breaches. I mean, even the NSA can't keep its own system safe. And so there was a growing awareness on my part on how dangerous it's becoming. And at the same time, we're in this exponential increase in data size. I mean, the, the case data keeps getting bigger and bigger, even if the cases themselves don't. People just have more and more email. They have more and more files. And it's just common sense to realize that the risk involved in continuing to hold all of this data by a law firm is a uh, serious concern. And, and, you know, my focus has been, you know, going back for six years, now my uh, second law firm, is on what is the best practice for a law firm to do in e-discovery. And the holding of client data particularly the large volumes of it, has now reached a point where it is just too risky to justify without spending literally millions, maybe tens of millions of dollars in infrastructure, increased security, hiring a team of security people. You know, is that really part of the practice of law? I don't think it is. I've been speaking about this for a couple of years now, that lawyers and law firms should focus on the practice of law and should delegate the non-legal functions of e-discovery to the professionals at it, to the engineers, instead of trying to run their own little e-discovery companies as part of their law firm, you know, running a side business, if you will. And so this was just a natural extension of this move towards outsourcing internal 
vendor business or litigation support departments, which are usually the same thing for law firms, to the actual professionals and businesses. So it's something that we were doing anyway, and, you know, I realized that this is uh, something that we need to have totally tight so that our attorneys, not only does the data be held by the vendor, but that we don't even get in the chain of custody, that we totally step back out of it and just focus on what lawyers are paid to do, which is find evidence and handle evidence, not handle the vast force of unreviewed data that is typically in today's practice. You know, you collect large volumes for preservation, you put it all in there, and then you start culling it down. And only, you know, you may end up uh, with a production that is typically less than 1% of the data collected. So it, it became clear to me that the smart thing to do, the best practice, is just have lawyers and law firms focus on the 1%. Still be very conscious about the need to protect that 1%, but focus their efforts on security of the small amount that's actually going to be used as evidence in a proceeding. You know, Ralph, you also said that lawyers should control the data. What, what do you mean by that? There's a difference in the law and, and just in common sense between who controls the data and who possesses it. And I always want the lawyer to be in control of what happens to the client data. Either the could be the in-house lawyer that's doing it as well, but typically outside counsel, they are hired for the job to actually review the data and control it, such that I want to know and direct the client IT department exactly where to send the data. I want the data to be received by a vendor, and then I want to instruct the vendor what to do with the data. Of course, you know, the vendor is always going to want instructions like that. They don't just make decisions on their own. Well, where do we put it? What do we do with it? So the lawyer makes the decisions and controls where the data goes and what happens to the data. Is it going to be full of global deduplication? Is it just going to be a vertical custodian uh, deduplication? Is there going to be full denisting done to the data? Are you going to take all 10 custodian data that you sent? Are you going to load all 10 of them? on for review, or are you just going to start off with uh, five custodians? These are the kind of decisions which are legal decisions, and the lawyer has to control that. The lawyer decides, okay, I'm going to take these five out of ten. You are to load these five to review and just continue to hold the other five. And so I always want the lawyer to be in control. I don't want to delegate control of my client's valuable data to a vendor, but I do want to delegate to them the responsibility of possession and custody. You mentioned that some law firms would disagree with you. I'm sure you're right. I thought about the large expense of outsourcing data, often by volume. Do you agree that's one of the biggest reasons why they would disagree, and are there others? Well, go back to this example. There's going to be new models of vendors that adapt to this, but the model that we follow, let's say we send 10 custodian emails. All 10 of them, for one reason, we decide to send them immediately to the vendor. Then the vendor, we instruct them to load five. We're not going to be charged for the other five that aren't loaded. And alternatively, you could have the client IT department hold on to the 10 after they collect it and only send the five. It depends on the situation. My point is that the law firm shouldn't hold all 10. What reason would a lawyer have to keep all that unprocessed data in their office? I can think of none. So it, it needs to be in the hands of the uh, people that are going to loading it, be loading it onto reviews. And that could either be, you know, it could be all done internally by a corporation. But uh, if a corporation is going to let go of its valuable data, 
it should make sure that it's being received by entities qualified and capable of securing them, at least as well as the corporations uh, themselves are. It's, you know, a fact of life that most law firms do not have that level of security. I'm not saying that all of them don't. It's just I haven't experienced that. And why should they? Why should they spend the millions of dollars it takes? Why should they have 24-7 monitor of a surveillance of everything going in and out? It's overkill. It's not necessary for the data that a law firm handles just to do its business. It's only necessary when you get these large hoard stashes of data that get involved in e-discovery for preservation and ultimately for review. You know, Ralph, you also said that it appears as if your firm is the first one to kind of come around to this way of thinking. Was it just your decision or total firm-wide? How did you get to this place? <laughs> well, that's a good question. I mean, I worked arm-in-arm with our law firm's head of information security, who was very delighted by this. And, uh, you know, he's able to sleep better knowing that we are cleaning up and getting rid of the terabytes of data that we have and are no longer in that, so he can focus on maintaining our own email structure for intrusion and focus on the law firm's own system. So I have the help of uh, professionals that know more about this than I do. I give, I give credit to Bob Checa, is his name. He's our chief information security officer and has been involved with me from day one on the uh, whole outsourcing project. And then I have, you know, other lawyers that assist me. Uh, Brett Anders comes to mind. And, you know, we try and set up a system that will facilitate our own workflow so that we'll be more efficient. So it's not just about improving security, although that's the main focus. It's also about efficiency of process. That's certainly what everyone is reaching for, becoming more efficient. Assuming a firm does outsource the data, what should happen to the raw data that is not identified as relevant or possibly relevant? What do you recommend? Well, I recommend that either be destroyed or that it be held in reserve by the vendor until you reach a point where you're sure you want us to come back and look at it. In other words, there's some cases where you know when you've done your review, you know you're done. There are other cases where you're not so sure. And so it becomes a, a case-by-case decision, um, again, looking for efficiency. And really, we're not finding high storage costs from vendors. We're finding high hosting costs when you're actually doing the review. And that's an important distinction and difference. And vendors are now also moving to, you know, the vendor we use, uh, I don't think they'll mind if I name them, but Kroll on track. They're taking the lead in empowering the users, giving them administrative abilities where I can take data, a new feature coming soon, where I can take data and myself move it into what's called near line or move it into offline and do that myself instead of having to ask the vendor to do it. And so I think the better vendors are very sophisticated at data hosting and are allowing their users to have control of the data, which is what I want. I want control, but I do not want to have to guard it. You know, I've been to their facilities. You should inspect your vendor's facilities. You should see where your client data is going. You may not have to see the particular server because if they're a sophisticated vendor, they'll have hundreds, maybe thousands of servers. But you should know where they are. You should see about their fire control. You should know about their backup. You should know about what fingerprint, iris scan, whatever it takes to get into these rooms. You should know about the video cameras that are monitoring it. You should know about their certification. You should really be concerned about security because we live in a world today that is very insecure when it comes to data in the cloud. 
And most lawyers don't get this. And as I started to realize this and learn more, I realized this is a bigger problem than the rest of the profession understands. And this is a problem that's going to push all law firms to get rid of this data, this large amount of data, and put it in the hands of true professionals to take the time to have the teams of security people to have all of these systems in place. And they don't come cheap. But you know what? That's a dollar worth spending to make sure that your data is guarded because what's the cost if it's lost? What is it? Per document, over $300. So, I mean, this to me is money well spent to have a real professional guard your stuff. So it sounds like what you're talking about isn't what's normally done at most firms, Ralph. Is that true to say? Well, I think most firms are still hanging on to let's run our own discovery business. I understand some law firms make a good deal of money doing that. It's just that just happened by accident, a quirk of history. When e-discovery first came, there weren't that many vendors, and so law firms started doing it themselves. It's as if a law firm running their own court reporter service. I mean, why do it? You don't need it. And you can get good project managers that don't work for your law firm, that work for vendors. And so I think it's just a historical accident that any law firm has software for a document review or that any law firm has litigation support departments. And I think ultimately they will fade away. And I, for one, think that's a good thing. The lawyers should focus on legal services and not focus on doing non-legal engineering work. That is a radical view to, to many companies, but to me, it's just a common sense view that no one would have disagreed with that in the 80s. Only this is something that's just fairly recent in my career, that law firms think that they can run a side business and host client data and charge for software and do all of that stuff instead of hiring, you know, real professionals. Yeah, guys. that's, I, I hear you. Well, before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break with a few words from the Legal Talk Network and our sponsor, the Digital War Room Platform for eDiscovery. Don't be caught unprepared for eDiscovery. Digital War Room eDiscovery software allows you to search, review, mark, and produce responsive email and documents. Powerful enough for your biggest cases, but easy enough for first-time e-discovery attorneys. Geeks need not apply. Digital War Room has a solution for every client, every case, and every budget. Visit www.digitalwarroom.com for a free trial and see how easy e-discovery can be. Make your next case your best case with Digital War Room. Welcome back to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Today, we're talking about perils of law firms possessing massive amounts of unreviewed client data with e-discovery lawyer and expert Ralph Losey, a shareholder of Jackson Lewis PC. Ralph, I'm still laughing that you worried about whether Kroll Ontrack would mind being identified as the vendor of an AMLAW 100 firm. I'm pretty sure they're okay with that. I, I, I sometimes speak tongue-in-cheek, Sharon. You know they can't see that, Ralph. <laughs> you talk in your post about possible metadata changes when law firms handle data in the traditional fashion, and we've seen that too. Tell our listeners how that happens. You know, we all see this from time to time when every file that you look at and receive all has the same date on it, <laughs> in the last open date. And it means somebody has screwed up in the collection process. I mean, we don't touch the data anymore, so... I know it's been done probably by the client IT department, but you have to know what you're doing when you collect data so as not to change the metadata. 
And that's a little different than security. And I think most law firms have competent with support departments. They can do that. But most lawyers can't. And we're running into some client IT departments aren't able to do it either. Yeah, it's been our experience as well. Ralph, you also talk about three ways in which data is handled when it goes to the law firm. Can you describe those? All of them, I think, are wrong. So these are not best practices, but uh, some are worse than others. The one that's uh, the closest to being the right way to do it is the law firm gets it. They figure out who the vendor is they're going to have it, and then they send it to the vendor. And they don't keep any copies for themselves. Maybe they verify that the vendor's got it, but after they verify that, they destroy that extra copy that they have. They flush it out of their system. They take that thumb drive and write over it. They stop possessing it so that it's only in then the vendor's hand. So Because otherwise, what's the point of turning it over to the vendor if you've got a copy anyway, a thumb drive sitting on your desk? You know, a few years ago, I used to have a terabyte or more of data in my office. It was in a you know, portable hard drive, blah, 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 because I wouldn't even destroy it. So at least destroy it. The second one is you keep it for backup purposes and you just keep it in your office, but you don't load it on your system. That's also not good because you may forget to get rid of it and it may become another dark data. And then, you know, the worst case scenario is what uh, I think is most common. All sides, large and medium-sized firms, is they'll, they'll put it on their whatever, their summation system. They'll put it on their live support department computers. So there'll be a copy and the lawyer will have a copy. Maybe a secretary will have it. Live support will have it. They'll never send it to the vendor at all. I know you mentioned dark data. A lot of people really don't know what that is. Can you define that term for our listeners and and tell us what dangers it presents? Well, it's dark data, you know, can mean different things to different people. But to me, it's data that's in the dark that you've forgotten about. Somebody probably in the organization knows you have it, but guess what? They leave and now nobody knows you have it. It could be your old legacy system. It could be the millions of files that are on that network drive and nobody even knows what they are anymore because the people that loaded them there left and they aren't properly labeled. So it's data that's around, that you possess, but you don't know where it is and you don't really know what's in it. And the bad news is, dark or not, if you find it and if there's a subpoena, for instance, a government subpoena, and you've got it, you're then going to have a duty to respond to that subpoena. And, uh, you know, I mentioned in my blog, I know a story, I can't name the names, but a law firm that just was holding client data, the Department of Justice does the subpoena, they had to review it. Uh, there was nobody left to pay them. That, that entity was bankrupt. So, I mean, dark data can be very dangerous, uh, not only to clog up your system, but, you know, potentially has protected information in there that someone can fake. And, boy, you know, if someone takes it, I, I was surprised to, to read from you guys that you find that a whole lot of law firms have had data taken from them, and they never tell their lawyers. And the shocking thing is, when I read in your blog, is that they never even tell the client, which is, you know, obviously unethical and disturbing to me. I, I didn't know it was going that far. Yeah. Well, Ralph, you talked a little bit about security and that type of thing with the e-discovery vendors. And why do you believe that it's safer or at least it's a better decision to throw this stuff over the fence to the vendor as opposed to the law firm? Well, let me qualify that by saying there are probably some large law firms that have much better security than some vendors. It isn't necessarily just that you're a vendor that you're automatically going to have good security. 
But I'm talking about the top vendors do have good security. They understand how important it is. They understand what a disaster it would be if they lost something or if it was a data intrusion and someone hacked into their system and stole, you know, information. They may be a, uh, a dispute concerning credit card information. It may be a dispute concerning medical records. The cost secure could be extremely expensive. And so the better vendors, and they're usually not going to be your lowest price vendors because it costs money to do all this stuff. But the better vendors are going to have invested in the infrastructure, in the security architects, in the personnel, the constant monitoring, the software. You know, it's a whole package. It's a whole added level of service that most law firms don't have. And to be honest with you, most vendors don't have either. It's not just good enough to outsource to a vendor. Do the due diligence on the vendor. Find out if he's got the uh, International Standards Organization certification. Find out, uh, do they hire, for instance, companies to try and hack into their system? The better vendors do. You know, the better vendors are very astute when it comes to security matters. Those are the vendors you should be entrusting your client data to. So that's what I'm saying. You know, maybe there's one or two law firms in the world that have the same system. I don't know. I haven't seen them yet, but who knows? I don't know about the very largest global law firms. Maybe they already have that. But even with the the infrastructure, always the weakest link is going to be the individual lawyers themselves. Even when you put it to the vendor, I mean, you got to also have discipline with the lawyers. I mean, how many law firms go around and audit their lawyer's office? How many of them look through their drawers to see if they have thumb drives with client data? You know, I doubt there's any. But that's the kind of thing you can do if you're a vendor. You can make sure everybody empties their pockets. You can search them. You can do all kinds of things that you can't really do in a law firm. So to me, it's just if you're concerned about security, you need to be concerned about the systems in place of where your information is being stored. I wonder, as you mentioned, if some of that is not governed by money, the bigger the firm, the bigger the pockets to enhance security. Smaller firms are likely to have smaller cases and are going to think less about security and have less money available to achieve it. Certainly, everything you said rings true, and we thank you very much for joining us today. It was a brilliant post, whether you agree or disagree. It struck a novel chord, and it was fun to read as always. Thank you very much, Ralph. It was great to have you with us again. Well, thank you, and thank you for your blog on this topic, too. It's been very helpful to help me understand, so thanks for having me. Well, that does it for this edition of Digital Detectives. And remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. And you can find more about Sensei's digital forensics, technology, and security services at www.senseient.com. We'll see you next time on Digital Detectives. Thanks for listening to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Check out some of our other podcasts on LegalTalkNetwork.com and in iTunes.